oh man. It was not like this a year ago when we left for Dubai. You know, we were over there in the MRH building. Do you guys remember that? Distant memory, praise God. Well, you know, I walk in this morning and I think, this is Placerita Bible Church. It is a joy to be with you guys. It's exciting after being there in Dubai uh, to come back and to see you, to see your faces, to embrace you, to be embraced by you. It is a joy to be back with you today. My my wife and my kids, we um, have often thought uh, together, oh man, that day we'll be back with you. And then it's here today, June 19th. We get to see you and be with you, our family. We're grateful for your partnership with us as we live now in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, We serve with a church called Redeemer Church there and uh, they have a training arm called the Gulf Theological Seminary where we get to train up men um, for pastoral leadership and train up men and women to be a part of leading churches or church plants throughout the Middle East, South Asia, and North Africa. And it is a joy to be with you today. I've got good news I've got good news because over the last year, we've gotten to see, meet, engage, talk with many, many people who have come to Christ from many different backgrounds. People from Afghanistan who've turned to Christ and been baptized and are members of a church. A family just about three weeks ago I met from Pakistan. Uh, They've been faithful to make disciples in their city. And because they were faithful, a local mosque or masjid put a fatwa out against them. And so they had to leave in the middle of the night. And so we met them a few days after they, I met them after, a few days after they left Pakistan and they were just, their eyes were, were wide-eyed. They said, we, we just left. And, and, and the people there, the, the church, how will they be? How will they go? Their heart was still for the church that they had just left. Uh, a few months ago, we met a woman um, from Iran who'd become a believer, a follower of Christ. She was baptized. And about three weeks ago, she became a member of the church. I could, stories like this I could tell more and more and more because the, the Lord is building his church. Despite many, many problems, many persecutions, many challenges in many cities, the Lord is faithful to his promise. And so even though many of you have not yet come to visit us in Dubai, the, the invitation is there for you, uh, be encouraged because the Lord is about making and maturing disciples. And we get to participate with him in drawing people, calling people to follow Jesus Christ. And so you even here on a Sunday morning gather when you're praying for uh, missionaries like the Wicks or, or Kim Guess or other individuals that are in different contexts, you participate actively in the ministry that they're doing over there. You, you participate with them, you're active in that work. And so we thank you and we praise God for you, Placerito Bible Church. And so thank you for having us here today that I get to come and preach and and share with you from Philippians chapter two. You can go ahead and and turn there because uh, I'm excited about this passage because it's all about honor, honor. And today's Father's Day, right? And so for some reason in my mind, I just always connect honor and, and, you know, happy Father's Day. And yet it's not all about fathers. And perhaps I just want to ask you this morning, friends, who do you honor? Who, who do you respect? Maybe another way to, to say it is, who do you want to be like? Who do you want to imitate, to follow? We all have them. We all have people that wow, we would give our left arm to have a meal with, to sit with, to, to have a, a cup of coffee with because we, we so like them, respect them, honor them, want to be like them. Who do you honor? 
Who would you like to, to spend? Who would you gladly give an afternoon to spend some time with, to interview, to discuss something with? We don't always honor the same people, right? Maybe, maybe in your heart, in your mind, it's a, it's a president, it's a poet, it's a podcast personality. Maybe it's a police officer, an influential philosopher, an inspiring philanthropist. Who, who's the person that you would just love to spend some time with? Because you, you respect them. You honor them. Who is on the pedestal of your imagination? This morning, the Apostle Paul writes for us in Philippians chapter two uh, about two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he wants us to see in them the marks of an honorable person. He wants us to see in them the kind of people that we're gonna follow, the kind of people that are worthy of welcome, the kind of people that we want to honor. And so even as we talk about Philippians chapter two, and we talk about what it means to honor somebody, I want you to maybe even think in the back of your head, who is that person that you would honor? Maybe write their name down even right now. Write their name down if you're taking notes or if you've got your, your electronic device out there. Who is that person, that man, that woman that you'd love to hang out with? Because God desires for us to honor certain people. He wants us to give regard, to respect, to listen to, to imitate, to follow certain people. And that's what we'll see today in Philippians chapter two. If you look there in verse 19 of, Ch of Philippians chapter two, we'll see this. Uh, Paul writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it'll go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So, Receive him, welcome him in the Lord with all joy and honor such people. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you now through the spirit and in Jesus Christ, the one whom we follow, the ultimate example, the one that we want to imitate and even this morning, Lord, teach us, help us to see the marks of an honorable man or woman. Heavenly Father, we want to be like Jesus and we want to be like those who are like Jesus. So open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. In this passage, we see 
a command, a simple command to honor, followed up by, we'll see three marks of an honorable person. We'll see what, uh, what an honorable person is concerned with or concerned by. We'll see what their character is like. And then we'll see what is the cause that drives them or it animates them. And so look with me as we look at the command to honor. As we walk through this passage, we're gonna see Paul immediately gives us two examples, two men that he wants us to see as the kind of people that we would honor, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So all three of our points today, we're gonna see back and forth between Timothy and Epaphroditus. And look at Timothy again, look at Epaphroditus, because Paul wants us to see in these two men the kinds of character, the kinds of causes, the kind of concerns that, that we ourselves today here in Santa Clarita should honor and respect and imitate. So look there at the command to honor. We see it there, down there at verse 29, look back there. Paul writes, so receive him, Epaphroditus, in the Lord with all joy and honor such men or such people. Here we're gonna see that we're gonna honor or welcome a certain kind of person. Now here grammatically it's gonna be, it's, a, it's a, a plural pronoun, it refers to men and women, not just men. And so we're gonna see in this context that there are individuals, perhaps right here in the room, right here in Placerita Bible Church, that, that we would identify as honorables, worthy to, to be imitated. If you imagine that there's a pedestal in our minds, we already have one, uh, and on that pedestal there, there are individuals that we, we, that we respect, that we regard, whose life, whose character we want to follow, emulate, that we want to point others to and say, hey look, this is the kind of faithful person who loves Jesus Christ. And those are the people that Paul says we're going to honor. We're going to welcome. There, there are two verbs here, right? You saw receive or welcome or accept. It, it means kind of a warm embrace, you might say. And then he says, welcome him, Epaphroditus, and the Lord, and honor such people. To honor means to regard, to respect. It means to listen to, to draw in near, to follow after. Now these two verbs are, are supposed to be brought together. They're supposed to be combined, taken together, to welcome and to honor. To welcome and to honor then is to follow after, to listen, to regard, maybe to say it negatively. To not honor someone, to not welcome someone, is to disregard them, to not listen to them, to exclude them, to sit on the other side of the room from and, and to not want to speak with. Do you see we have a contrast here? There are people that we honor and maybe some people that we, that we don't honor. Paul wants us, God wants us as a church to honor certain people. Recognize it's a command, right? It's not a suggestion. It's something that every single individual in, in our church right here this morning is called to do. Every man, every woman, every gray hair, every youth, uh, every deacon, every elder, we are all called to honor certain people. We don't opt out. There's not a time where we graduate to the place where we no longer honor certain people, right? And so this morning, Plastered Bible Church, who do you honor? Who already sits on that pedestal? And why are they there? And so we want to look right now then at, at three marks of an honorable person. The command is simple. It really is pretty straightforward. Even this morning we saw the video and we, we saw the children and they said, what do you like about your dad? And, and just from their own heart, they, they shared, these are the things that I love about my dad. And in a moment, we got to see, why do those sons and daughters love and honor their fathers? And they gave us from their own heart, from their own mouth, 
the reasons for which they honor and love their, their fathers. Well, Paul wants to give us some reasons. He wants to show us what are three marks for an honorable man or an honorable woman. In the rest of this passage, we're going to see that exemplified in Timothy and in Epaphroditus. The first one is the concerns, the concerns of an honorable person. What are they concerned with? What, can, what interests their heart? What are they consumed with, we might say? Consider Timothy. Look down at verse 20, if you see there. Verse 20, Paul writes, For I have no one like him, like Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You see, they're Timothy's concerns. What Timothy's concerned about are Christ's concerns. It's what Christ is concerned about. The things that interest Jesus Christ are the things that, that Timothy is interested about. By contrast, did you see in verse 21, there are others there in the, in the milieu about whom Paul speaks. They don't have the interests of Christ. They don't have the heart or the concerns of Jesus Christ. And so I'm drawn, when I look at this passage, to say, what are the concerns of Jesus Christ? Some have it, some don't. Some have the interests or the concerns of Jesus Christ. Some don't represent or exemplify them. So what are the interests of Jesus Christ? We'll look up in chapter two, look back to verses three, four, and five, because we'll actually see in this passage, verses 19 to 30, what I just read, we'll actually see Paul many times, several times go back to verses one to 11 where Jesus Christ is described. And we'll see several times where, where Paul wants us to see Timothy and Epaphroditus are not ends in themselves. But actually, Timothy and Epaphroditus, who are they following? Who are they emulating? They're following Jesus. So look there at verses three, four, and five. Paul writes, do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own What's the word there? Do you see it? You with me? Is it kind of a sleepy morning? Maybe like me, you had like a big Danish if you're a father and like a big sweet cup of coffee and the sugar is now just tapering off and you're, so come back to me. What's the word there? Interests. Let each of you not only look to his own interests but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. So Paul here in verses three, four, and five talks about the mindset of Jesus, the interests of Jesus Christ, which are all about others, serving others, loving others. And then a few verses later, where we are this morning, verses 19 to 30, he's looking, he points to Timothy and says, Timothy, Timothy has the concerns of Christ Jesus. He has the same interests as Christ Jesus had. And so even as we consider Timothy and Epaphroditus, we're actually wanting to follow Jesus. We imitate Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to make our interests the interests of Jesus Christ. And in verse 20, we actually see a little bit more clearly what this looks like. So look back at verse 20. Paul writes, I've got no one like him, like Timothy. And then he describes, what's he mean by that? What makes Timothy so unique? What makes Timothy special? Maybe a little different than the others that he's mentioned. Well, look, look at the end of verse 20. He says, I've got no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He is genuinely, authentically, deeply concerned about your spiritual well-being. 
So if you pull back the curtain on Timothy's heart, what's he thinking about? What are his interests? What are his concerns? Well, his heart, his concerns, his interests are are the people of God, the gathered body of the Philippians. He loves the Philippian church. He cares about their spiritual well-being. And because that, those are his interests, those are the things that he's thinking about and he's concerned about, Paul says, Timothy, be like Timothy. Honor men like Timothy because they have the right kinds of concerns, the right kinds of interests, which we've already seen are actually the interests of Jesus Christ. You know, we see this same kind of interest, the same kind of thing in Epaphroditus. We see the same kind of idea in Epaphroditus. Look down at verse 25. Verse 25, Paul writes, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. Why? Verse 26, for he has been longing, yearning for you all. He's yearning, he longs. Like, will you pull back Epaphroditus' heart, the curtain on his heart, what do you see? What's he yearning for, zealous for? For you all. Epaphroditus loves the people of of the church of Philippi and he wants to be with them. He wants to see them. It actually says there that he's deeply distressed. Epaphroditus had heard that the Philippian church was distressed about him and so he's distressed about him. You see, they're, they're all zealous for each other. They love each other. And so we have the concerns of, of, of Timothy, the concerns of Epaphroditus are for the local church, for the body of Christ. And Paul puts the spotlight on them and says, these men, do you see their concerns? Do you see what they love? That's worthy. Be like them. Follow them. At Redeemer Church, where we're at in Dubai, we're, we're a church of many, many nations, of many, many peoples from many different backgrounds. And when you see different community groups meeting or on a, or on a Sunday morning when people gather, you look around the, cr- the crowd and, and there aren't like four people who look the same, who have the same kind of job, the same kind of background. The church is really diverse. It's represented like that even in the jobs that people work. A highly competitive and difficult work environment to, to sustain the kind of life that Dubai requires. People, they have to work long hours. And yet in the community groups, in the Bible studies, in the fellowship groups, you see people love each other, trying to overcome all the cultural and linguistic and and background differences because so many of them, they know that they have no other family, no, uh, no other unity or bond aside from that body of believers, that church. And so they develop a love for one another. They are concerned for one another. And so they, they want to talk one to another. How are you doing? What's your spiritual condition this week? How has work? How, have, you, have you been able to love others? Have you been able to overcome that boss who, who looks down upon you for your faith? You know what this is like. For you also experience things like this here. And so perhaps this morning, when I ask this morning, um, what are you concerned about? What are your interests? Men, brothers, Sons, fathers, if we pull back the curtain of your heart, what are the main things that drive you, that animate you? What are the things that get you excited about? What concerns do you have, sister, wives, mothers, daughters? What are the things that get you all excited and animated? If I were to ask your kids, 
It's always a great example, great, great question. What do your parents, what do they get really excited about? What are the concerns of their heart? I wonder what they say, my parents love the local church. They love discerning, figuring out the condition, the spiritual well-being of other Christians. That's what drives them. Because that is the mark of a man of honor. That is the distinguishing characteristic of a woman that is worthy of welcome. We see another mark or characteristic of an honorable man or woman. We see that their concerns are for other Christians. We also see their character. We see that their character is proven. What distinguishes a man or or woman as worthy of honor is proven, faithful character. Consider Timothy, look at verse 22. Verse 22, Paul writes, but you know Timothy's proven worth, his proven, demonstrated, undeniable character. Now the Philippians, they they know Timothy's character. They, they, of course, they know about Timothy, right? They know that his mom and grandmother are Lois and Eunice. They know that he's half Greek. They know that he's a traveling companion of Paul, that he went all over the, the Asia Minor and Mediterranean area with Paul, right? That's not what Paul means here. Oh, they know about Timothy, like factually. The Philippian church actually know Timothy's heart. They, they, they know what his life is like because it's been proven, demonstrated through the trials of suffering and hardship. It reminds me of First Peter chapter one where Peter writes, in this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while you've been tested by various trials. Even though now if necessary you've been grieved so that the the tested, proven genuineness of your faith may result in glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter talks about a a tested genuineness of their faith. Well, Timothy's faith has been proven genuine. His faith, his character has been demonstrated through the school of suffering, through hardship. And and, and Paul says because he's his faith, his character is proven, you can follow him and emulate him. Now, notice what, what Paul does not write. Paul does not say, you know Timothy's proven intellect. He's always the smartest man in the room, right? Paul does not say, you know Timothy's proven wealth. He's, he's very successful in business. You know Timothy's very popular. You know, the people love him. He's very funny. Oh, you know Timothy's proven rhetorical skills. He speaks well and people like him. These are not the things that that Paul commends Timothy for. Paul says, Timothy is a man of proven value. His character is trustworthy, reliable, faithful. Consider Epaphroditus. You know, you probably don't know Epaphroditus as well. We know a lot about Timothy. Epaphroditus isn't one of those names that usually rolls off your lips. You know, it's not really a popular baby boy name. I mean, if you're thinking about baby boy names, maybe Placerita can like revive the name Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus Smith, Epaphroditus Tyson. Yeah, no, it's not usually a, a, a guy that we know about, right? Epaphroditus, let me tell you, he was a, from the church of Philippi. He was Philippian. And, and the church at Philippi had heard that Paul was in prison and had some financial need. And so they gathered up some money. They raised him some money at the church at Philippi. And then they gave that money and trusted it to this man, Epaphroditus, who then hand carries it several months 
to Paul in prison. It's a very long journey. It's dangerous. It's risky. Epaphroditus takes the money and gives it to Paul. Paul gets the money and he thanks the church at Philippi. And actually this letter that he's writing is an acknowledgement. Hey, I received the money that you sent through Epaphroditus' hands. But you know Epaphroditus got sick. He got quite ill, even, even nearly died taking that letter and ta- or taking that, that, those funds to Paul. And the church at Philippi had heard about Epaphroditus' sickness and they were distressed and, and then Epaphroditus and Paul were distressed and there's that, remember that whole equal distressing for each other? And now Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi and he entrusts it, puts it in, in Epaphroditus' hands and Epaphroditus now hand carries the letter back to the church at Philippi. Do you see the relationship here? This is Epaphroditus. Now consider his character because we see in this passage that Epaphroditus is given five different titles, five different ascriptions. Now you gotta know that the church or the, the city of Philippi was infatuated with titles. They loved awards, especially military awards. They loved honors. It's kind of like those, you know, that varsity athlete in high school, you go into their closet and it's just filled with trophies and stuff. Well, like the the city of Philippi loved trophies and awards. And Paul here, he awards Epaphroditus five times. You see it there, brother, sister, the common spiritual bond that we share together He calls Epaphroditus a brother, but there's more. He calls him a co-worker, a co-laborer with him. 16 times in the New Testament we see Paul describe a man or a woman as a co-worker, as a co-laborer. But there's more. We see Epaphroditus is called a fellow soldier, a fellow soldier. Now the the city of Philippi was a military city, it was a vet's city, so they, they had a lot of respect for soldiers. Here Paul points and says Epaphroditus is a spiritual veteran. He's been in the war. He's been in the battle. He has suffered and he has succeeded. He's a spiritual vet. You see he's called your messenger Paul says. There's a a play on words there because uh, he is the sent one. Epaphroditus is a sent one. the, The messenger from the city of Philippi to him. And now and now Paul is sending him back. So he's your, your messenger and he says, your minister to my need. He calls him the one who has brought the funds, the one who has come to help me in my need while I'm in prison. You know, there's, there's nowhere else in the New Testament we see anybody described four times, let alone five times, something like this. Paul wants us to see there's something special about Epaphroditus. There's something special about this man and so find men like him, find people like him and and honor them, respect them, regard them, follow them as they follow Jesus Christ. Many years ago, I knew a man named Wynn Coltrip. He was a World War II vet. He was a firefighter in L.A. for 30 years. He had literally saved hundreds of people from burning houses, and he could leap over buildings with one small bound, I guess. He was a man's man. But when I met him, he was nearly 90. And he was shuffling a bit. And he would take steps, kind of like two steps at a time. He was nearing the end of his journey. But I loved Wynn. Because the more I got to know about him, the more I realized that his, his character, his faith, 
had been proved through many difficult trials. I learned that the last 15 years of his life, he had served his dementia alien wife without complaint. I learned that over the course of many years, he had learned how to pray. He said initially, at one point he said, TJ, I, I didn't pray for my first 20 or 30 years as a Christian. I just didn't believe in it. And then God broke me. When Coltrip is now with the Lord, for me, he, he's an example of someone that I, I hope to grow into, to be like. Because God commands us, he desires that we would honor certain people and, and follow after them and listen to them and regard them. Now, some of you perhaps are thinking right now, isn't it dangerous to follow any human being? I mean, come on, aren't all our heroes flawed, broken? You know, the reformer Martin Luther who said so many problematic things about certain people groups. The theologian Jonathan Edwards who didn't free his slaves. The missionary William Carey who didn't care for his wife very lovingly. These are serious matters. They, they are serious because sin is serious and we grieve not just for the sins of others, we grieve for our own sins. We don't just grieve for our own sins, we grieve for the sins of others because sin is serious. And so we look to Jesus Christ for our hope even when we see our own brokenness. Like the song we just sang, Jesus, I come, I come, I come. None of us has been perfected in the flesh yet. On that day when we see him, we will no longer sin. And even those that we follow and imitate, we follow and imitate insofar as they follow Jesus Christ. And so we see in them models to follow because they love and follow Christ. And yet we do honor such people because this passage and others call us to honor certain people, to love and follow after those who are godly as examples. And so we've looked at the, the concerns of other Christians, our mark or distinguishing characteristic of an honorable person. We've looked at the, the character, the proven faith, the proven demonstrated character of a man or woman. There's, there's another thing I want you to see here in this passage, the cause. What, what cause drives or animates an honorable person? What gets them up in the morning? What do they get excited about? We've talked about concerns, right, the interests, but we also can see a cause here, something that drives them. Because the people that we honor love the gospel so much that they take risks, that they, that they sacrifice their own ends, their own glory, their own ambitions for the sake of the good news. Consider Timothy. Paul tells us there, he has served me in the gospel. He has served me in the gospel proclamation. Another translation says it like this. He has enslaved himself to the gospel. We read the same word about slave up in verses six and seven. Look there. We've already talked about Christ. Have this mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account quality with God as a thing to be grasped or used for his own ends, but... He emptied himself. Christ emptied himself, how? By taking the form of a slave. Jesus enslaved himself to flesh for our sake. He took on himself, he made himself nothing to serve us and to, and to love us. Here we see 
Later in verse 20 and 21 and 22, Timothy has enslaved himself to the gospel. Timothy does not fight for his own honors, his own ambitions, for his own ends, for his, his own glory, for, for that which is for his own self, his own family perhaps. He, he's let those things go. The servant no longer thinks about their own future. Oh, what am I gonna wear today? What will people think of me? What if I sit in the wrong place? Uh, will someone notice me? The slave doesn't think like this, right? The slave thinks about what their master desires. And, and Timothy here, we see what he's enslaved himself to, to the gospel. He desires first and foremost that the gospel would go out to the non-Christian and that the gospel would go deep into the Christian. We see his, his desire that Christians would love the gospel. He talks about in chapter one, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. And he's speaking to Christians there. He, he knows that you and I, we need the gospel. We who love the gospel, we who love Christ, what do we need? We need more of the gospel because God's grace comes to us and transforms us and changes us. And yet Timothy also, he's, he's enslaved himself to the, the gospel so that non-Christians might hear the gospel, so that those who have yet to become disciples of Christ can hear the message about Jesus Christ and turn and believe now, perhaps this morning you're wondering, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news that you do not have to experience the judgment of God. Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he experienced the judgment of God for all who would call on him. And so this morning, if you turn to Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, exalted on high, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if you turn to him, God promises to give you undying life with him forever. There's no greater message or news than this, that that you right here in Santa Clarita, California can become a, a child of the Most High God, that you can experience this undying life in and through Jesus. This is the good news that we preach to Hindus. This is the good news we preach to Muslims. This is the good news we, we teach at the Gulf Theological Seminary so that, that pastors and church leaders can be grounded in the gospel. This is the good news that we speak today at Placerita Bible Church so that you fathers can lead your families to know the grace of Jesus Christ. Timothy had enslaved himself to the gospel. He loved the gospel. Consider Epaphroditus. Yeah, Timothy, he's done this. What about Epaphroditus? What do we see here? What's the cause? What, what drives Epaphroditus? You see there in verse 27 that he was ill even to the point of death. Verse 29, Paul writes, honor such people. Why? For he, Epaphroditus, nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Friends, Epaphroditus did not count his life as something precious to cling to, as something to fight for. Epaphroditus had given up his own rights and the things that he could potentially cling to, he had let it go. He had a greater cause. He had a greater ambition 
he desired or, or considered the interests of the church of Philippi and the interest of Paul the apostle as more valuable than his own life, even to the point of death. Does that sound familiar? What other example have we seen in Philippians 2 of somebody who gave up their own interests even to the point of death? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. We see the same kind of language where Jesus Christ, even to the point of death, death on a cross. Now, of course, Jesus Christ, he dies taking our sins into himself and taking the wrath of God and and, uh, giving us forgiveness through his death and through his life. Epaphroditus, his life is modeled on that same trajectory where he would even risk his own life to serve the body. Epaphroditus risks his own life for the work of Jesus Christ. Listen, his own values, Epaphroditus' his own values, his own interests had so changed, had so transformed that, that he considers the gospel going out to non-Christians, the gospel going out to Christians as more valuable than his own health. Right, so he, he considered his own health to be less important than the gospel going out. You know, in, uh, in math class, do you guys remember the greater than and the less than signs? I always get them mixed up, which is which. Like I have to do like the alligator thing is over here and it's eating something. You guys remember that? I don't know, the greater than, less than. Paul, and, and here Epaphroditus we see, he considers his own health less important Less, of less value than the spiritual well-being of the lost, of the spiritual well-being of those who are Christians. He desires so much to see Christians go deep in the gospel and non-Christians to hear the gospel that he is willing even to risk his own life. I mean, this is crazy talk, right? These kinds of values, this is, this is not how life is supposed to be here in Santa Clarita or, or there in Dubai. We are told, protect your health, protect your life, protect your family, protect your home, protect your career, protect your well-being. Do not risk your own life or your family or your house. Live for yourself and then maybe God will do what will bless you. That's not the equation here, is it? That's not how how Paul lived. That's not how Epaphroditus lived. That's not how Timothy lived because their interests had changed. Their their concerns, their values had transformed. They trusted God with those important factors, those, those important things, and they sought to serve, to seek, to serve those who were lost like Jesus Christ did. Epaphroditus risked his life to serve Paul and to serve the church at Philippi. Dr. Abraham Mansouri is a, a member of the church that we're a part of there. He's from Iran. In his early 20s, he was studying, getting his PhD, and he heard the gospel and he believed. Now, 15 years later, he's a professor at a university in Dubai. And he preaches the gospel to everyone that he meets. He, he especially enjoys talking with people from Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. And he loves to tell them his testimony. He loves to tell them to repent and turn and believe in Jesus Christ. And, and just recently, I heard someone ask him, Abraham, aren't you afraid? 
of retaliation? Aren't you afraid this is going like, to affect your career somehow? And Abraham, he's got this very thick brogue. He says, brother, how can I be afraid to tell them about the light of life in Jesus Christ? Can I feed myself with their souls? They have to hear the gospel. Abraham has led to faith 12 Muslims this year. Now, I'm not like Muslim, I, I, like, like Abraham. I still get my, my, my words get all mixed up. I get tongue-tied. I don't always know how to speak. You know, I, I, especially in Urdu, I try to share the gospel and I forget words altogether. You know, we're not all like Abraham. I, I, I love Abraham. I, he, he's one of those guys on my pedestal I want to be like. I want to follow him as he follows Christ. Who are you following? Who do you honor? Why are they there? What concerns do they represent? How, how, how do they show their interests, those people that you want to spend time with? What are they committed to? Maybe for just a moment, I want to turn the question around. Right? We're talking about who do we honor, about the kinds of people that we as a church should respect and regard and listen to. But now I maybe want to turn the question around and ask um, about, about your honor, uh, about, about your life. Are, are you a man or a woman worthy of honor? What are your concerns? What are the interests that, that drive you? Even as I, as I speak this, just yesterday I was overwhelmed with anxiety about a number of things, whether it's finances or traveling or, or just things. I, I just couldn't get my head out of these petty anxieties. And here I am looking at the word of God where it says, have concerns not for your own interests, but consider the, other, the interests of others is more important than yourselves. And there I was again, confronted with my own need for grace. What are your concerns? If I could pull back the curtain of your heart, what are the things that, that weigh you down, that burden you? Are you the kind of person that cares so deeply for the body of Christ, for this group of people, that you would risk even your own health to, to see them grow, to see them develop, to see them go deeper in faith? Do you care so much about this body that you would even risk your own body? Is your character proven? In other words, is your character demonstrated? Is it, is it undeniable that you are a man or a woman of godliness? Maybe to say negatively, what would prevent you from being on someone else's pedestal? Is there some pattern of impatience with your children? Is there some set of thoughts that you continually, ping pong, springboard in your head, you can't just get, you can't get control of them? Are you tempted to argue or to complain about our, our government or some other government? Are you so habitually watching sketchy Netflix things that you don't know they're sketchy anymore? What is it that pre prevents you from being viewed or seen as a man or a woman that is worthy of honor? Men, fathers, today's our day, right? We've gotten to see it, we've got to hear it, and I hope that you get to celebrate this today, especially with your kids. You know, there's no greater gift that you and I can give to our families than, than to give them the gift of the gospel, to speak of the word of God, to, to speak of them in plain, simple words of what God's grace has done for us, to change us, 
to consider others more important than ourselves, to model before them humility in confession and, and the ability to ask forgiveness. These are the kinds of things that our children need to see, want to see in us because we want to show them, right, that the gospel is more important to us than anything else. We want them to see in our own lives that our concerns, our interests go deeper than sports or finance or the news or the, the things that we just get. We, we want them to see that our love is for, for the gospel, for Jesus Christ. And there's nothing more powerful, more beautiful than a, than a son or a daughter to look at their, their father like we saw earlier today and to say, he is a man who loves Jesus. He follows Jesus Christ like Timothy or like Epaphroditus. His concerns are the concerns of Jesus Christ. His, his character is proven, is demonstrated. His, his causes, the things that he gets just thrilled about are the gospel and he's willing to enslave himself to even to his own hurt and risk be about the gospel. These are the kinds of things, men, that we want to be known for. And what I, what I wanna say to you today is God's grace is for you so that even if perhaps this week or last week or this month you, you found it to be a struggle, God's grace is extended to you and to me so that we can be that kind of man, that, kind, that, that honorable individual that our, our family can look to and say, yes, I want to be like them, like my dad who loves the gospel. Now this morning we've looked at the command, right? The command was very simple, was it not? Honor, welcome, Show regard for, listen to, follow after, imitate. And then we saw three marks, the, thing, the reasons why we would do that, because they have the right concerns, because they have a character that's proven, because they've, they've got a cause that's, that's clear with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus read a Bible church. Honor those kinds of people. Honor them here in the room. Honor them who are a part of this church. We don't need to look to the internet. We don't need to look to celebrity pastors. We don't need to look to other cities or contexts. But right here, God has given you men and women who are, who are imperfect, but who have the right heart, the character, and the drive. Find those people. Listen to them. Love them. Imitate them. Follow them as they follow Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. For he is exalted above all names. And at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. And we are looking forward to that day when he will return and we will see him as he is. Father, today we want to be men and women of honor. Lord, we know that, that we have failed in this regard. Even this week, and yet we look back to Jesus Christ. We look, not, we look not to ourselves. We look to Jesus and we say, Father, forgive us. Give us the strength that is in Jesus Christ. Help us to be men and women who, who love you and who look more like Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters here that their, their interests and their values would so change, would so transform that they'd be even willing to risk bodily, physical health to see other people grow in grace to see non-christians hear the gospel to see christians develop in their faith more deeply heavenly father that can only happen
because of your grace. That can only happen as a spiritual work. That is not something that can happen because we simply want it to physically or in our own strength or we need your help. Lord, I'm thankful that you help us. I'm thankful that your grace is to us. We don't need to earn it. We cannot merit it. We, we can't ring a bell or wave a flag that you would come and do these things for us. We come to you simply in the name of Jesus. Ask him for your help and for his glory. Amen.